Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm your host, Ryan Key. We are here in Orange County, California. It's so sunshiny out. It's beautiful. There's oranges and shit. Oranges everywhere in orange. We, uh, we just spent two days at Galaxy's Edge having the fucking most magical time of our lives. And we're here with, uh, with a guest, again, our second guest on Thank the Maker. This is our third guest on Think Maker. Oh, you're right. We're, t- we're in the future, sort of. Uh, today's cool, though, because we um, it's not always going to be that we have the opportunity to have a guest that can hang out with us for seven hours to make a podcast. But today, we get to have a friend that's going to be here for the entire time. We are excited to have Nick Ganbarian of the band Bayside. You did, you did a little time in movie life as well? Yeah, that was my first band. First yeah. band. Yeah. So a pillar that the scene was built on right here. And uh, Nick's going to be with us for the whole episode today while we deep dive into Solo, a Star Wars story. We're breaking free of the Skywalker saga for a minute. First time. It feels good. when I, I, I've seen this movie countless times at this point, and it feels good to not have like heavy Skywalker saga cloud while you're watching something. Yes. It's, yeah. it's very palpable that it's just not in the movie. And it's it very, feels good. It's very Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, we were watching it last night, and I just also felt like the same vibe of how fun is this? And yeah. it's just like, it's, there's no stress mm-hmm. or fandom ending pressure yeah, totally. over this film, yeah. which we'll get into, by mm-hmm. the way, as we talk today about how actually, oh, yes, yeah. there is, because yeah, yeah. everything now, you know, that's yeah. been a big point of, of this podcast is kind of like trying to analyze why people are the way they are and why we can't just enjoy things and have nice things i think about it all the time (laughs) (laughs) so do we here at thank the maker well let's do something that we've been doing for the past three that you would think wouldn't be a thing on this there's no opening crawl but we have something almost equivalent to an open crawl with this movie yeah they uh it did like the galaxy far far away font kind of right Right. blue lettering and yeah some uh, opening titles so ranky put on your theater voice here we go It's a lawless time. Crime syndicates compete for resources, food, medicine, and hyperfuel. On the shipbuilding planet of Karelia, the foul Lady Proxima forces runaways into a life of crime in exchange for shelter and protection. On these mean streets, a young man fights for survival, but yearns to fly among the stars. Young Han. There he is. Just Han. Yeah, just Han right now. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have any people. Just like Seal and Madonna. And Ray. The artist formerly known as. Right. R.I.P. I remember uh, that opening thinking, you know, the crime syndicate yeah. vibe and stuff like that we were in for a pretty yeah. cool ride. It's definitely awesome. That last line's like, oh, man, you almost really 10 out of 10 opening crawl. Yeah, right. right. Like, ah, you lost it right there. That's corny. <laughs> oh, fly among the stars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you, were, you were nailing it. Yeah, you were yeah. nailing it, Ron <laughs> or Lawrence or whoever. Chose. We were talking a lot last night watching it about like who wrote what. A lot of times we get into like what is Star Wars dialogue and, yeah. and what's not, you know, and, and certain lines I have a couple picked out, but like it's hard I'm to more, like I'm, put into words what it is, but when you hear it or see it, you're like, That's that's not Star Wars. Yes. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And we get into that pretty deep. We talk about that a lot. But yeah, yearns to fly yeah. among the stars. Yes. Like I don't know how else how would you have worded that though? How like, what would you have said to say, you know, a young man fights for survival? That's legit. Yeah, that's Star yeah, Warsy. Yeah. Yeah, I think all this like grammatically fits the mold. And maybe Yearns to Fly Among the Stars is actually more kind of like original trilogy than yeah, we might yeah. think it is. Think you know so. what I mean? Like that could have been yeah. like in the... To me, it was like setting up like dark, dark, dark 
stuff and yeah. then that line is just like ah oh, okay yeah. let's see where this goes <laughs> it, that's true it was it was like kind of ominous yeah yeah, yeah. it's a dark time I and that f- was just like the little it's like a celine dion kind of yeah, yeah. i, I want to fly yeah, yeah, among yeah. the stars oh totally <laughs> okay cool let's roll those stolen plans bud solo star wars story was released on may 25th 2017 directed by ron howard but originally slated to direct lord and miller phil lord and chris miller i think most notably known at that point for the 21 Jump Street series. It's two films a series. Was Spider-Verse before Solo? That was after, Uh, and Lego Movie 1 would have been out by then, too. Okay. Right. And some uh, Last Man on Earth episodes. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. So damn good. Written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son, Jonathan Kasdan. Pretty cool. That's beautiful shit, I think. Yeah, it really is. I love the stuff in the the behind-the-scenes. Jonathan talked about how his dad is kind of old school and he's like deep in the extended universe yeah, and stuff yeah. and knows everything and his dad will just be like i don't care about that yeah. shit i don't care what color lightsaber was in a comic yeah. book from 1987 yeah, yeah. you know but yeah. but jonathan does it's a cool dynamic yeah he's like one click left of harrison ford with his <laughs> yeah, <wife's> yeah. <laughs> and lawrence is like he straight up says i'm a loyalist i'm, yeah. I'm loyal to the originals that's it this film stars alden ehrenreich as han solo Jonas sodomo can anybody help me? Suatamo? I don't know. Suatamo? Or it's Suatamo. Like until we meet the dude, we're going to just keep fucking it up. Yeah, we're just going to keep butchering your name until you agree to come on the podcast. Sorry, Jonas. Woody Harrelson as Beckett, Emilio Clark as Kira, Donald Glover as Lando, Tandy Newton as Val, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as L3, Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, and John Favreau as the voice of Rio. Also, spoiler if you haven't watched it, stop right now and go watch it. We see Ray Park again at the end as Darth Maul. One hour, 15 minute runtime. The shortest Star Wars film, right? It's almost like an episode of TV right. nowadays. It's like, a, it's like a season finale. It feels good, though. I think it's like yeah, action-packed yeah. and fun enough where I'm like, at the end, it's almost like that Maul scene at the end was almost like an end credit scene. Mm-hmm. Right, Marvel or something sure, like that? Sure, like a, like a stinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At no point am I like bored or thinking right. anything is slow or whatever. Ready PG-13? Again, sequences of sci-fi action and violence. At that point, that was the third, right? Third PG-13 film? When was Rogue One? Oh, good call. No. This is after Last Jedi. Yeah. So fourth film. So it's four PG-13s. We're figuring this shit out in real time, folks. <laughs> Budgeted an estimated $275 million, but unfortunately for the stockholders, it grossed roughly $84 million opening weekend in the U.S., $213 million total, which they're not pumped about, and grossed just short of $400 million worldwide. So that's, that's not much of a margin from the domestic to international numbers yeah. Yeah, and you compared made, to the other films. And, you know, you made a point last night when we were prepping for this. Obviously, there's been a huge debate among the Star Wars fans, the business side of Star Wars, you know, about this movie and its performance. And it, are they slowing down the Star Wars story films altogether? Is that just a rumor? Who knows? But all based on the performance of this one film. And Adam, you made a point about how when you're like a multi, multi-billion, gajillion, trillion dollar company like that, like Disney, is this film not just like more marketing for Star Wars? Like right. at that point, did you still not get advertising for your franchise right, out, out of this film? And, and, and we're not Star Wars fans still in the, you know, asses and seats seeing a movie. So right. I don't know. Given the fact that they spend many, many times more on marketing than they do on the actual budget of the film. Why can't this be like Best Buy selling CDs as a loss to get you in the door for the other shit? It's just building the whole universe. So it's just, and especially out of all the, what is there, five 
movies now from Disney, right? This seemed like it expanded the world so much more. And the, right. the potential for count, like what they were going for, like almost like a Marvel Cinematic Universe, there could have been countless solo spinoffs out of this one thing. Right. And it's almost like the plan was abandoned because of money instead of it being like, no, we have a plan. It's going to go somewhere. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Right. If they would have taken the same approach with Marvel, they would have cut off Ant-Man immediately. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I think the expectations just are what they are, so people freak out. Uh, ratings. This movie got a 6.9 on IMDb, despite its lack of love. You know, that's not bad. Better than some of the prequels. Better than the prequels, better than Rise of Skywalker. 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, with a 63% audience score. 62 on Metacritic. Nominated for uh, an Oscar for... Best Achievement in Visual Effects, which I think it deserves. They did some groundbreaking shit in this movie, which we could talk about a little bit in the kind of the I Love You, I Know section. Yeah, yeah. And we were watching some behind-the-scenes stuff last night prepping for this, and they did some mind-blowing yeah. stuff. There's two things that stick out to me that yeah. are very, very cool. Cool. Yeah. So first impressions, I mean, we kind of already stepped on that a little bit, but how many times did you guys see it in theaters? What did you think right off the bat? Uh, we were on tour together, actually. Yeah, we were. Um, I remember being in Pittsburgh and... As I like to do, I usually do two back-to-back viewings on opening day. Did you that day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I? I don't know if you did, but I know we saw it first at like 5 p.m. or something, and then I remember going back at like 8.30 or 9 or whatever. But immediately the levity of it made me like it a lot. Like I I went into it knowing that everyone's initial qualm with it was going to be like, that's not Harrison Ford. And I'm like, I'm not going to worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's clearly not Harrison Ford, so I'm cool with it. I'm not going to pick him apart. Um, And then I just liked the story and I I liked how it expanded on the world, but then brought in things from uh, more in-depth and nerdy parts of Star Wars, like Clone Wars and a lot of good references did you pick up last night that the, that L three says Black Spire too? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L three when they're walking to see the Falcon for the first time, L three says something oh, about. Me like, white. You couldn't get from here to Black Spire without me. Now you're gonna make the castle run. If she doesn't so want many little like nice. sprinkles Very of cool. things here and there, um, which I didn't notice that. Yeah, I we, haven't we, seen it in a couple of months. So Adam found a really put together for this like a really cool list of of Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. So that's one that was planted way before the park was open, which was cool. very, very cool. But yeah, to me, I think it expanded, but then brought in all of these other like nerdy aspects to make like the super fans appreciate it. And what, it almost like was done so well that it didn't seem like pandering. You know, like there's stuff yeah. in Rise of Skywalker that seems like pandering, but there's stuff in Solo that I'm like, that's cool. That's right. cool. Right. You know, and it was done subtly enough yeah. to where it didn't, it, I don't think it took away from the viewing, or it yeah. shouldn't have taken away from totally. the experience of the general. And ultimately, ultimately, there are things that don't matter. You right. know, like, right. oh, you said Black Spire. People exactly. like us are like, oh my God. And yeah. then clearly it doesn't have. It wasn't like major plot points yeah, that yeah. were lost on the general public. But yeah, I immediately I liked it. So I was happy like to go see it a second time right away. Mm-hmm. And then just full force backing it on social media and just telling everyone to go see it because it was fun. That's the word for me that I came out with. It was fun. Yeah. And if you, like you said, drop the expectation that somebody is going to completely nail the Harrison Ford, the absolutely irreplaceable There's charm of, of Harrison Ford, like go in and have fun with the shit. And that's exactly what it was. I probably saw it in theater actually four times or something. That's because it was, I thought it was so sick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my first time we all saw it on the Newfound Glory Bayside tour. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we, I remember us all walking out like, yeah, whoa, yeah. that was insane. Yeah. You know, I think impression wise, that was my overall impression. But I just can like clear this up now and I think not go back into it for the rest of the discussion. 
I didn't want to pick him apart either. And I've been pretty good about all these new films, not getting oversaturated with material and criticism and whatever before I see the film. But it was really hard to avoid with this movie, with the change in directors and all the reshoots they had to do. Truth to it or not, hearing why they had to do a lot of the reshoots was to reshoot like almost all of the Han Solo scenes yeah. for performance and things. And, and it might have just been that Ron Howard wanted a different flavor. Yeah, he could have come yeah. in and been like, it, no, I would have done this could, I'm not accusing him of not giving a good performance. Yeah. It just might not have been the performance Ron Howard wanted. But at the time, I'm hearing that going like, oh, well, it must be terrible. So I don't know how much of that was on my mind while I was watching it. But I will say that on repeated viewings, I think I still feel the same way. Yeah. I don't want to bag on anyone's job or like I'm not a film critic. Mm -hmm. So I, I would like to hang out with Alden and have him on the show. And yeah. I don't want to, um, you never know how much of this is directorial and how much of it is, is on the actor mm -hmm. and stuff. And so from an objective standpoint- how much stand is on the page. And how much is on the page and the, and the dialogue they're given. So again, I don't want to be harsh, but I will say the other characters in the film were so much more intriguing to me than the lead yeah. character in the yeah. film. Part I of that has to be that they're fresh. You know what I mean? They're, they're new characters. Sure. So they're, all, they're novel. You're, you're able to analyze that a lot more in hindsight, you know, but Kiara and Dryden Voss and Beckett, I love Woody Harrelson. So we put, put Woody Harrelson in a movie on, I mean, yeah. I'm going to, you know, I, you know, I enjoyed their arcs and, and their performances and their, their place in the story so much. And I found myself going like, wait, I'm supposed to be watching a movie about Han Solo, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think the adventure was so good. The story was so good. Like the, the path they were on and all the, it doesn't deserve the kind of gripes that Rise of Skywalker got. It was like yeah. jumping from one plot. I thought the plot was very streamlined yeah. and, and made a lot of sense. And there wasn't a lot of like, how did they pull this off with this one random thing they found, you know, yeah. the hilt on the Sith dagger, you know, like yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, there was none of that in there. It was just a straight up awesome crime caper kind of adventure, Indiana Jones style adventure. Yeah. So that was my thing is I just, I guess I wished that, Han Solo, whether it be the performance or the, or the direction or whatever, but Han Solo himself in Solo would have had a little bit more of an impact on yeah, me. Yeah. I wish that. The way I look at it, and I don't know if I just make this stuff up in my head, but this almost seems like a pilot show where it's just right, like the yeah. first one mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully it wasn't going to be a trilogy thing and it was just going to be like a six, seven, whatever it needs to be episode thing. And you get to see him become what we know and like be that kind of grumpy guy, right, right, you know, right. eventually. It being an hour and 15 minutes, you're not far off. I mean, yeah. that, that is like, we've come to expect an hour of yeah, TV now, totally. you know? And rumors suggest that was the plan. Yeah. I mean, obviously the seeds were laid. Like, we wouldn't have ended with that stinger thing at the end if yeah. they didn't have some further vision. Yeah, you, you're not going to end the film with all of us sitting in the theater going, Oh my God, dude, we're going to Tatooine to see why Han owes Jabba all that money. Yeah. We're going, we're doing it. Who wouldn't it. want to see that? Like to me, if it wasn't all about money, which it has to be at this point and investors and stuff, how yep. don't you say, I know that this didn't go well, but this next one is a grand slam. Exactly. It's going to be. I, I kind of have a theory that like anything in this day and age, it's possible that the negative press around it actually will make the second one do better yeah. because when they announce they're going to make it, mm -hmm. it's going to get so much hype because, yeah. whoa, they went back on their word or yeah. they must be making something yeah. amazing for the investors to have signed off on it, that kind of shit. Adam, you mentioned something that when we were prepping for this about wanting to see maybe like, and I think this plays into the, the length of the film being an hour and 15 minutes, that there was room for probably some more dialogue here and there or some more development here and there. And you mentioned last night, and I hadn't thought about this, but it, it really resonated wanting to see more of a relationship between Han and Kiara right? Yeah. earlier Let's, in the film, like show them as little kids or whatever it is. Yeah. So maybe talk about that. 
Let's let's put that in gripes. I didn't know I if that was like an impression, but okay. We'll keep it's a soft it in gripe. We'll keep we'll, soft gripe. We'll, soft gripe. We'll hold that and not step on that segment. Well, well what about you? Is your impression seeing it? When, I mean, when, where, I just that. thought it was super fun. I knew that Alden wasn't the actor that I wanted to play Han Solo. So I just went in like, fuck it, same thing. Like, I'm just going to enjoy this movie. And I totally did. I actually, I think I ranked this. I actually, I did officially rank this above Rogue One in my, <laughs> when I, you know, my 11 movie breakdown. So mm-hmm. it's the shit. It's fucking Chewie and Han, just like the adventures of Han and Chewie with their new crew. Yeah. I think fitting in, in this segment is to mention that it's, it's super rewatchable to me. Oh, yeah. 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 Like going back to watch it feels like going back to watch yeah. Last Crusade or Raiders of the Lost Ark or even the original trilogy movies. And as much as I'm fully a fan and fully on board with the sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. I don't personally find them as rewatchable yeah. as the original yeah. trilogy. Especially and now that it's done. It's like, okay. yeah, yeah. And they, that may change though. You know, I feel myself, I can see myself, I should say, wanting to go back to them yeah. a lot as I get down the road. But Solo is something that it's like you're sitting around with some Star Wars buds. You're like, what yeah. do you want to watch? Yeah. Let's get some cold beers and watch it Solo. It really is like the Easter eggs left and right. So mm-hmm. people pick up on different things or just do the riffing thing where it's like, what if they did this? What if they did that? And right, that's right. what, that's the, the hell we live in that we probably <laughs> won't get it. Yes. Right. Well, let's move on. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. From a certain point of view, some people think that droids can't be woke, <laughs> think that droids can't want freedom and rights and things and think that this was sort of like a, a sociopolitical ulterior motive by the Kasdans? I would say droids absolutely have the right to be socially enlightened. Is that not the definition of woke? Just yeah. being being oh, socially just enlightened? Just conscience, really. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I, I think it's more like the criticism primarily from, I would say, the right is that this was like a leftist agenda right. writing move. Sure. More than the droid point on a story level, it was this culture war that we're in right now. Right. And not just Star Wars kind of pointing out something that's actually been going on in all the yeah. films where right. like sentient beings are just slaves, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. right. like I think that's cool. I think it's cool to show. I, I did. God, dude, this shit drives me crazy, man. I did not leave the theater with any sense of political. Not, right. Also, yeah. by the way, we're not talking about politics on this podcast at all. So I'm not going to say anything about my politics, but I didn't leave the theater had I been either way, if I was right, I didn't yeah. leave going like, can you believe their leftist yeah. bullshit propaganda? Well, and if I was left, I but, didn't leave going, man, that's awesome that they did this like yeah. droids rights thing yeah. to emulate the current times. We li- I just thought it was Star Wars and droids have been slaves since the dawn of the franchise. So I thought it was a good comedic plot point. I could see two things. I think some of that stuff is not creative enough when they want to make a point. It's a little jammed in there Mm -hmm. so it's easy for the people who will never stray from their point of view yes to be like look see right and those type of people don't want to hear the other side ever and that's the world we live in right now is that there's no it's yelling into the abyss no one wants to change your mind it's sports you know (laughs) rooting for teams (laughs) and that's the world we live in but i mean you still have people complaining about like Ray not having enough training. And I'm going to do this one day. I'm going to go and watch all the original trilogy and all the sequel trilogy and literally time how much Luke and Ray train. I guarantee yep. Ray has more training on right. that. I'm and sure. people will still say that she doesn't have enough training. I'm sure that you're right. But, all superficial but, takes, ultimately, th- yeah. these kind of views. To me, if I could fix anything about it, because I do think if you're a multi-billion dollar company that prides itself on happiness and magic and all this stuff like Disney, I like that they take 
that vantage point of mm -hmm. positivity and and social consciousness i think it's very cool that they right. take a stance at all it's not i wouldn't even call it a stance i just like that they they put it in their movies i just think it could be written a little bit better and by the way with with what i said as far as like not sharing my politics i totally agree with you like <laughs> i just don't want to i don't want to yeah. get us to get into like yeah. a, you know but i completely agree that like it's really amazing that that stuff goes into the film and i think it's ridiculous that anyone would complain about it i just i was only saying that Without someone going like, hey, did you realize that this is what was going on? I just didn't have that reaction the first time I saw yeah, it. Yeah. That's all That's all I meant to say. It was like I didn't leave the theater feeling like, oh, remember that one part of the movie yeah. where they – didn't make they, you mad. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, of course that's in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. I think this segues well to another point here, which is sort of on the other end of it. Some people perceive this film to have a lack of emotional depth, but I think it's clear – that this is in some ways deeper emotionally than, than other films because it's not just about the protagonist and the antagonist and maybe two people's relationship. There's this droid who once writes, yeah. Yeah. who has this emotional yeah. connection with a human. Granted, it, a lot of it's like a humorous take, mm -hmm. but it's... It works. I think it's deep. I think that's kind of a bullshit uh, take on the movie. I mean, I, I would argue that almost no Star Wars is emotionally heavy, and that's, like, something that we want because we've grown up with it for decades, and it does have, like, a nostalgic heaviness to it, but it's never been written to be, like, this crazy romance or crazy heavy emotional thing. It's a space adventure. Yeah, but yeah. we have that, and that's, like, a huge issue with all of us 30, pushing 40-year-olds. I mean, we're, we're might be considered young to some people. There's people who are probably, like, 20 or 30 when the movie came out that right. are right. have issues with this, but, like, there's nothing heavy about any line that's ever been written in star wars right. it just has an emotional heaviness because it changed the world in our lifetime and we grew up with it and we have the heaviness the movies yeah. aren't heavy it's right. our experience rather yeah. than the straight up writing yeah. but i think there were a couple of storylines in this film that were perfectly heavy in in the right way yeah. and that for me was within like the bounds of what star wars is yeah, yeah like chewbacca in this movie is one of the most redeeming qualities of the film to me seeing him actually play a character for the first time in any film yeah and then the l3 and lando i mean their relationship and and what you know watching him suffer her loss it yeah. was just enough for a yeah, star wars film yeah. it was just yeah. enough it was dramatic and intense and performed by Jonas and Donald Glover. Like yeah. both of their performances were incredible and they gave you just enough to be like, we're living in a real world here. These yeah. are real people. You know? That also segues to the idea of recycled tropes. A lot of people said there's nothing really new in this, which also segues to the, maybe the main gripe, at least from critics, is that it just checked boxes. Mm -hmm. We have to see the Kessel run. We have to, for some reason, we have to figure out how and why Han got his name. Mm -hmm. We have to see him meet Chewie. We have to see him meet Lando. So I get it. You don't want to write by bullet list, but we kind of did need to see those things. The, the only we thing you listed to. right there that is maybe something. Maybe legit. Well, I wouldn't even say legit. It's just it was like not on the list of things we actually had to see. Because I wouldn't say maybe. I would say we had to see all of those things. That's the whole point of the fucking movie. Right. How he got his name. That was thrown in there and they did what they did and didn't bother me personally. It took five I, seconds. Took five seconds. I don't know that I loved it, but I also didn't go, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. This movie's bullshit. <laughs> it wasn't that at all. But the rest of it, I'm going to see an origin story about Han Solo it's to pilot, find out how show, you know? he like, met Chewbacca and how he met Lando and how he won the Falcon. And that's why we went to see the movie. So that's the most on the list. That's probably the most ridiculous one. but Especially because of what it, it took five seconds in the movie. And even I was just like, 
okay, cool. Like, whatever. I never thought about why he had his name, mm-hmm. and there it was, and it meant nothing to me, and moving you, on. You got to wonder <laughs> if Lucas even had a reason for him to have the name, yeah. or if he was just like, this is a cool name for the loner yeah. in the story. It's probably you know? exactly the same thing. Yeah, it, Lucas it's it's like, funny because, solo. I mean, that's almost like bad writing. <laughs> like, if you really think about it, if George Lucas was like, oh, he's a loner, so I'm going to name him Han Solo, yeah. that's like not good at all. Nope. So well, I mean, it's very like in line with what he grew up on. The campy like yeah, yeah, yeah. TV serial stuff for sure. So in that way, it's not good. So it's good. Does that make sense? Like, in, in 1977, all of this stuff was the most well done stuff that there was and changed right. the world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Skywalker. Luke, that's not Luke Star Killer. Yeah, yeah. That was all... that was the original version. So yeah, the Death Star. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even fucking Hitler wouldn't name something the Death Star. <laughs> would do something that on the nose. You know? <laughs> the I guess. The, the other main gripe, I guess we already kind of talked about this, but Alden Ehrenreich's performance yeah. or lack of skill, some say. Or, or just being upstaged by the supporting the cast. Rest of the cast as a result of that. star power alone, like not in Star Wars, he's the least known character. Right. Every main actor in that film I know besides him. Right. So how wouldn't he be? Upstaged? It was very, it was uh, contrasting to the casting method for mm-hmm. both the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy yeah. and the prequels. Mm-hmm. Well, Prequels had, prequels had, sure. had, yeah, right out the gates, I guess. So. But the prequels, though, like the ratio of screen time, you know, it's not like Sam Jackson was just casting a shadow over Hayden Christensen the whole time. You right. Know what I mean, Hayden Christensen had most of the screen time in right. those movies. Yeah. But so yeah. the balance here is what probably makes it feel right. Different. Because that, and that's kind of what we were saying when we from earlier was how it wasn't just Han Solo. It was like this ensemble. And, and he really, yeah, he had like the same amount of lines as Lando or the same amount of lines as Kiara did. Mm-hmm. Like they all shared the time when you're supposed to be just focusing on the one character. So yeah. I don't know how I would have done it differently. And I don't know if a different performance would have made that better. But I will say that in this film, I mean, Donald Glover, just come on, man. <laughs> he was just unreal. So you are aligned to I'm some aligned degree with, with that. This is gripe. the first other people's point of view from a certain point of view that I have agreed with, I think, mm-hmm. since we started the podcast. I, I do think there is a legitimacy to that criticism. Don't go down the dark path. <laughs> I won't, man. Don't worry. I still want Alden to do the next movie. I want to oh, do another nice. movie, okay. and I want him in it. I would feel I, so, like, relieved if that happened. Yeah. Or I, I, if it was something on there, the Plus, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If they're going to do it, there's going to be a whole team of people that are, like, going to hashtag new solo or new actor or whatever they want to do. I'm not on that train at all. I want him to keep playing the character. I, I think it's there. He when held I it down. It, I look at Donald Glover playing Lando and Alden playing Han Solo, and Donald Glover is doing a like very good impression of Billy Dee Williams. Mm-hmm. And I think Alden's Harrison Ford slash Han Solo is like so close. He just actually doesn't have the right voice yeah like right that's Lover's true voice yeah really close. it's really close he was able he's to do that he's almost more of like a, i mean i think being a musician and doing all the stuff he does he probably has a little bit more control over yeah. over his voice yeah, and, yeah. and being able to do impressions yeah. and things like that but the last thing i'll say on that comparing the two of them and their roles in the movie and the, and the characters they got to play you got to look at this almost as like Zellweger winning for judy like mm-hmm. this is a biopic yeah. in a way <laughs> whereas they had so much source material to go mm-hmm. not just on screen, like interviews. And yeah. these guys are real people that they can go and learn their mannerisms and learn just like you do if you're playing uh, someone in a biopic. So those are like murky waters as an actor yeah. in the first place because are you just impersonating this person mm-hmm. or are you playing you know, a character from inside of you yeah. that's representing that person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you nail it, which I think someone like Renee Zellweger did, you're doing both. Yeah. You, you learn and adopt every mannerism of the person you're playing 
but you also are completely reinventing them mm-hmm. from your point of view. Yeah. So, and I think Donald Glover yeah. smashed it out of the yeah. park. Bottom line, I want the cast to say the same. I'm not saying anything like that. I just think he, in this particular setup, sharing the screen the way he said, Adam, I think he just got upstaged a little bit. Plus, there's a lot of pressure on him. More oh, so than uh, everybody else. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's actually get into our favorites because we've been talking about them quite a bit. So here we go. I love you. I know. So favorite scenes, Corellia Spaceport, the Imperial Rule, that whole vibe, like sort of World War II vibe. That scene there, Han and Chewie meeting, the train heist, Han and Chewie kind of broing down and connecting after they escape. They're on the AT hauler, that outdoor, it's all windy, you know? Post-shower, they showered together right before that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's the first, like, true character moment, like deep character moment for Chewie. Oh, yeah. To that point, right? Yes. Yeah. It's his first like scene, mm-hmm. if you really want to talk about a character scene. Yeah, he has a full conversation. Yeah. L3 <laughs> talking with um, Kira about the line, it's just us girls now. Yeah. The whole conversation about Lando being into her. That one, I, like I said, is kind of out of order from the one before it, but also right. one of my favorites. L3 cutting the gate open at the impound, essentially where the, the Falcon is. I can't perform while you're watching yeah, me. Right. So good. It was right before that that she mentions Black Spire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. The Falcon reveal with the Star Wars theme playing. Mm-hmm. Chewie ripping the fucking arms off of that <laughs> yeah. dude in that heist. The Wookiees on Kessel, Lando's entrance. Enifus Nest reveal on the home planet of uh, Savarine. And then, of course, the ultimate spoiler, Darth Maul's appearance at the end. Yeah. I didn't put anything in there, even though I really liked it. I just don't think there was a scene that particularly was like a fate, you know, one of them that I'd be like, that was the one with Dryden Voss in it. Yeah. They were all great and his performance was amazing, but there was, the scene weren't, weren't like, even then when he died. There's not like a singular yeah, moment yeah. to pick from I him. I think his presence was kind of like yeah. more crushing. And it was cool for them, I feel like, to have like a very like mid-grade, mid-to-low-grade just gangster mm-hmm. that he was wearing just a suit, and he, but he fit in Star Wars. Somehow, yeah. You cool. know, like, he just looked, like, earthly besides his, like, scarring or whatever. Right. So I learned about his, his scarring. Mm-hmm. Paul Bettany confirmed in an interview that they're not scars. It's, yeah. He's like a almost human species. Yeah, yeah. It's part of his skin, and when he gets super yeah, pissed, gets they get red. And, like, red. I didn't know that until I was looking it up. Alien temper hives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? Anything we didn't... Uh, I'm big on Enfys Nest just because of that. Uh, how they treated her as like, here's a potential villain, twist, she's one of the first Rebellion members. Yeah. And I'm right. like, oh, I want to see that. Like, please, yeah. like of all the sequels, there's so many, including just her being a part of the Rebellion early on. I was like, oh, that's so good. And just the fact that it was like another unknown actor, I'm like, oh, right. and she's younger. It's like, oh, they could do so much here. Just yeah. give me that. So yeah. I really I really liked... I mean, there was a decent amount of things as it accelerated towards the end where there was just, like, a lot of twists, you know, here mm-hmm. and there. So, yeah, that uh, big Enfys Nest fan as far as, like, takeaways from that movie. Yeah, but, I really... I, I put on the list her revealing that Savarine was her home planet. Mm-hmm. Her mother, mm-hmm. she talks about, right? Yeah. I just thought that was so cool. And probably something that everyone was like, oh, of course, they ended up on the same planet that was her home. It's like, it's a movie. Yeah. Uh, but I loved that. I think out of all the ones that you listed off, because I was watching the movie last night, just kind of like firing these off at moments as they went by, you know, really, man, that that scene on like the catwalk of the ship with Han and Chewie, you know, there's no action. There's no it's not like a big deal, but it's just as a lifelong Star Wars fan to finally get to see Chewbacca yeah. show that 
what, what would be the word for a Wookiee, but humanity. Wookmanity? Wookmanity, yeah, to show the yeah, Wookmanity. You know Han and Chewie are, like, attached at the hip, and they love each other, and yeah. they're just boys, but, like, and you accept that yeah. over all these years, but now you get to see, like, there, why. There's an, out, there's an outtake scene where they're following Beckett, like, up a hill, and they get in, like, a full-blown snowball fight and like start to ta- they tackle each other, and they're, like, wrestling in the snow, yeah. and Beckett turns around and just goes, Really? Yeah, and then they get like, up to roll and Tom turns around and like belts him with another snowball. Like that kind of stuff was yeah. just like really what this film was about to me. Kudos to Chewie, man, and Eunice for, for carrying on the legacy and the character because yeah. there were parts in this movie where I was like misty from just like, right. I mean, dude, the Wookiees oh, on man. Kessel. That moment when you know, you don't have to speak Wookiee anymore to know what they're saying because we were watching them for so long mm-hmm. and you know... I got the vibe that that was maybe like a female Wookiee that he was like running out yeah. with. Who knows? But either way, that she was like, come on, we're leaving. Yeah. And he literally said, he saved my life. Yeah. And it's like Wookiee code. That head like gestures back to him. Yes. And- that like head together was like, yeah, well, sorry. From that point on, she was just like, all right, later. You owe him I your understand. life. You know, yeah. you have yeah. to go save him. And, yeah. and that. Despite him being another human, the species that came in and eradicated yeah. everyone yes. on their planet. It's like, okay, I get it. You owe a life debt to that. Yeah. That and guy. like that goes back to like someone saying there's not emotional depth in this film. Like just give me a fucking break. Get out. Well, it's they get have, out of here. Like, when that's someone's critique about Star Wars, they have to mean like what's the most dramatic film of 2020 right. you know like yeah. that, star wars is never that stop right. critiquing star wars based off of like 1917 or something yeah star wars <laughs> right, is not exactly. yeah yeah it's not we're not yeah. watching marriage story exactly so we talked about han and chewie meeting their bro down moment but we didn't talk about them meeting throw him in with the beast yeah mm-hmm. it's so great when they said the beast did you see it coming right there I don't know why, but yes. I have no idea, but I was like, okay. It's like 20 minutes into the movie, 10 minutes into the movie. I know Chewie's got to be in most of this movie. Yeah, valid. It just made sense to me. It was like the second growl I I knew. But right away, we were talking last night, we were thinking like Rancor maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always oblivious. I just like, (laughs) no matter what with movies, I'm like such like a childlike viewer, I guess. I just get on the ride and I'm like, oh, what's going to (laughs) happen? I have no idea that Han's going to get killed. I guess the way it would have went in my head is... No, I didn't know, but I was like, it would be cool if right. that was Chewie, right, and then it right. wound up being like it's just constant. Like on first viewing of any Star Wars, it's like the the dichotomy of like enjoying it, but then also processing it at the same time. Yeah, yes. it's really hard on the first try. For sure, I, I always like them better the second time. <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like that. I'm watching it, but what would be cool here? What would be cool? And then I didn't guess it, but I thought I said that to myself. It would be cool if this was Chewie. Right. Cool factoid, the first super gnarly roar that Chewie does in, in the cell was a combination of multiple tracks of bear roar, uh, walrus expletives, yeah. and I believe a few other animals as well. It was like dogs and it was a majorly multi-tracked sound just for that one super loud yeah. I'm gonna fuck you up roar. Because they took the same approach that Ben Burt did originally when he made Chewie's voice but just recorded all new shit to freshen it up, you know. He's a little younger, right? So yeah. they went and got a bunch. And there's in the behind-the-scenes, like, great shots of them with mics by this big-ass grizzly bear, you know, like, yeah. boom mic. Oh, and and the, the walrus, too. They're, yeah. like, right up in his face, like, uh, go, you know. Make him mad for a second. It's cool. Don't. So that shit was great. And I love how immediately they, they kind of team worked. And it's just, like, that's the connection. Like, okay, we're going to help each other, mm-hmm. save each other. And then that's the connection. What was super interesting is the subtitles, which we've never gotten. Yeah. Subtitles for, for, for the Wookiee language. And then someone else speaking Wookiee, yeah. Han speaking a little bit. Yeah. How did you feel about that? At first, it was like, this is a little weird, 
but I got over it. I think it's cool ultimately. It had to be explained somehow. And the fact that the subtitles were like broken Wookiee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. You get over it. I right. Feel like. And when I say had to be explained, I don't mean it has to be explained how, how Han knows it. Yeah. It just has to be explained that he, he understands it he does to understand. go forward. Which led into that um, the scene that I loved when, when he, what's your name? Chewbacca. Yeah. Well, I'm not calling you that. Yeah. You know, so good. The train heist, man. I, I think this leads yeah. into a cool little, we could talk about for a second, the visual effects nomination. Mm-hmm. Because that's where one of the places that they were like implementing this new technology. And the cinematographer that was shooting a lot of the stunts in the train scene was talking about how through their viewfinders, seeing the atmosphere around the train. So he was talking about how he could see Infus Nest and the cloud raiders like flying by on their speeder bikes while he was shooting the scene. And that's just, I mean, that's sick. And and it's got to really help like the camera blocking and stuff that they're doing. And instead of having everything just perfectly planned out, like, ooh, I'm gonna gonna maybe go with a little improvisation here because I can see this thing that's happening in real time. Instead Um, of just shooting it all on green screening and handing it over to the visual effects team and kind of losing control there. Yeah, you can frame your shot around what's gonna be actually there. You know, I know you're talking from behind the camera, but more and more, uh, obviously, with like Mandalorian and stuff like that, like you're just going to get better performances out of mm-hmm. the actors yeah. if they could feel like they're in it. Yeah. yeah. More than and so if you start to combine a better performance from the cameraman with a better performance yeah. from the actors, we're in for some really cool oh, filmmaking definitely. down the road. So I think that heist is like the one scene that was pretty much universally praised. It's so sick, man. It's a legit like Old West train heist, but on this amazingly designed future train, you know, kind of. And it had a great, a great Han and Chewie vibe, you know, them just like screaming at each other to get shit done. And it was awesome too. I mean, that was pretty early on. It's probably like what the third or fourth like scene. right? Yeah. It's really early in the film, but there were two deaths right away of like people you just met too, like from that crew. So it was kind of like, I understand why they had to do that to move the plot forward and like have Han and Chewie be with Beckett. Yeah. But like it was very much so um, something you run into, especially with like Rogue One, these like side stories is like when these people die, like do you, f- how, what do you feel? Cause you just met them. Yes. You know, they're yeah. not people you've known for 10, 20 years, whatever. It's right. Like that, that kind of emotional attachment isn't like there. It's more of like a, introduction and then they have to go away to get to like right. the next I, point. I mean, you know? it, it casualties feels, of the story. And it, yeah. it, it's in line with other adventure though. And like war films and stuff yeah. like if a soldier in the company that you got a couple of great lines from dies or, you know, Vin Diesel and saving private Ryan, you know, yeah. it was a tough scene, but you yeah, weren't yeah. like totally invested in, in his character, you know, stuff like that. So none of that stuff ever bothers me. You know, yeah. bother, it's all drives the plot to yeah. me. My one gripe, which I won't step on now. We'll wait till that segment Yeah, has to do with that scene mm-hmm. and exactly what we're talking about. L3 and Lando. We should get into that. L3 and Lando. L3 as a character, just overall. So there's all kinds of fun stuff about visual effects related to L3 and how they pulled that off. Just so go check that cool. out. We won't get into it too deep here because we're not going to try to paint you a visual uh, picture with words when you can watch pictures right. with your eyeballs. But go online and check it out. Like how yeah. they made L3, how they made Phoebe Waller. Like practical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, they, how they made, used Phoebe Waller-Bridge's real body in the suit. And it was just crazy. It's crazy. But dude, Phoebe Waller-Bridge... I didn't know her as an actor before this, Yeah, same. but I was just blown away and was like, oh, this is my favorite droid now. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. And then ended up watching Fleabag. I don't know if you've... I haven't seen it yet. Dude, my wife and I watched it last month, I guess. It's an Amazon original, right? Yeah, yeah I believe so. It's so good. It's one of those shows or like a movie that starts, you think it's one thing, and by the end, it's something much different mm-hmm. in a really rich, amazing, emotional way. Watch that shit. She's incredible. And now going back and watching Solo after having seen that her comedic timing 
I enjoy even more as L3 because it's it's her. I can picture her actual yeah, face. Yeah. Kind I of- got to say this. So far, the Star Wars story franchise is nailing it on the droid oh, front yeah. Oh, yeah. with her and I K2SO. Like, I would love just them killing to it. keep coming up with like caricature almost of like mm-hmm. sassy droid, depressed droid. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's awesome. A, a decent thing. You want to tell us about how L3 exists in the larger Star Wars universe? Um like when you're you're taking Rogue One or Solo and you're basically trying to make a one movie or an entire universe off of like literal lines. Like the yeah. Clone Wars exists because of like two lines in a new hope. Right. You know? So you do have these like avenues you could go down where you're like, how do we make this droid important in the long run? And L three wind up being like the GPS of the Falcon was like to me that just enriched the universe. That yeah. was one thing that I never thought of that they explained and I liked. You know, like why is this? So droid the one here? line for anyone who who's lost right now, give them the one line, three PO's line. Oh yeah, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has the most peculiar dialect. Yeah, I mean that's a bunch of writers sitting in a room seeing that or hearing that and being like we can make that into something yeah that's where like star wars needs more of that that's fan service it is fan service and it's something where when you break a film down like this instead of just being reactionary to whatever you didn't get or wanted or didn't want as a fan what i don't understand a lot of times is how when you break something like that down like something c-3po said in empire strikes back becoming a major plot point in in solo how does everyone not get off on that yeah Because it in turn adds additional emotional depth and stakes mm-hmm. to Empire. And yeah. well, every time you see Han with the Falcon after this movie, you know, like, yeah, Lando's like strange robot love is tied up in that ship. It's not just, oh, that's my favorite car. Don't crash it. It's that's my love. Don't. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that's something that they Star Wars has been trying to achieve with the sequels and and these side stories is like mining the originals for things that could become way bigger and and some work and some don't. So to recap again, if you're completely lost, when L3 dies and we that amazing emotional moment of Lando being truly emotional for the first time, too, he has to like drag her body away or body fucking rips in half and she dies in his arms. They then bring her back to life, so to speak, by uploading her into the Falcon and the where dead she speak. lives forever. The dead <laughs> speak. How many more times can I use that one? <laughs> there was something in the behind the scenes, too, that it was a noise that she made or something in the uh, Falcon is in A New Hope. So, like, technically, like, when they plugged her in, it's like these beep bop boops that's mm-hmm. in A New Hope that they were like, that's L3. Like, oh, that's wow. that. So cool, man. Cool. Like, little things like that. It's not going to be like for my mom when she goes and sees Solo, you know, like, yeah. but there needs to be for like such a generational franchise like this. You need to figure out how to please us nerds, make sure my mom understands like there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen and work. And that's not an easy thing. And people yeah. are probably sick of hearing me say this on the podcast, but also little kids. Yeah, You have to Absolutely. make these movies for children. Yeah. Yeah. L3 cutting the gate, which we talked about just <laughs> yeah. that line right there. That's almost more of a, I, I put like that on the quote. list, but it should probably go under quotes. So yeah. we'll get, we'll get to it. Uh, the Falcon reveal with Star Wars theme playing that speaks for itself. Chewie ripping the fucking arms off of someone finally seeing that. We didn't need to see it, but it was so awesome when it happened. Yeah. And especially like Han's reaction to it. And Chewie kind of reacts almost like, like a dog that rips up a toy that realizes like after the heat of the moment, like, oh, I'm probably in trouble. He like holds up the arms. <laughs> Well, it's good to know that he has, you know, like, I mean, he's shown strength before and he's used weapons before, but it's good to just show like brute 
strength and right like, for sure i will rip your head off i'll rip your arms off whatever for sure it's, it's kind of like the um the end of rogue one where vader in the original trilogy yeah. as ominous and awesome and iconic as yeah. he is how did he become this most all-powerful dark lord because yeah. you never get to see him really do anything yeah. except kind of in the jedi battle at the end you know the lightsaber fight but seeing Chewie in the minds of Kessel, like yeah. roll in with that staff and yeah. th- literally just ceiling plant yeah, that guy yeah, yeah. at full sprint. In a sense, too, that sets up for the alternate universe. There's five sequels of him being an a- like an action star, to say. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Jonas is a younger dude, and they could set him up to just be more physical than yeah, he ever yeah, was. For sure. That was like a good, like, well, they nailed way, it. he could do this. Yeah, yeah, they nailed it in this film, for sure. So can you – oh, Lando, fuck. Yeah, Lando's yeah, – my favorite line in the movie. Yeah. I use it all the time, and it's in that shipyard where Tobias, like, cuts 5% off his thing, and he's like, I don't like it, I don't agree with it, but I accept it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's life every day. Yeah. <laughs> I use yeah, yeah. That every, there's something that happens every day where I'm yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Your reaction, though, our reaction to just that first – the sound of his voice, man, when we entered that cantina – the, the magic the back just, room the sabak room and you come it's all super dark and then he's just there with the fucking swagger times a trillion just yeah. like what's up i wear capes so don't and hand again yeah. don't need to be explained but that's just like a thing it sets up their dynamic too yeah. of just like ball busters like yeah. with each other totally so i don't know call a favorite we got to do it it's policy favorite well it can be a favorite, favorite moment scene. it can be a favorite it's, moment yeah. too the scene of them having the coaxium and then landing on the planet, like, and just watching the Falcon go from, like, this super pristine, white, brand new mm-hmm. ship to, like, literally worse than you've ever seen it in a matter of minutes is, is great. And then the exclamation point on that scene is Lando saying, I hate you, and Han saying, I know. Right. Which I didn't hear the first time, I heard it the second time. Yeah. Because it was a little quieter. Right. Um, but I appreciate that. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely awesome. I, I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go favorite moment. That first conversation with Chewbacca, the first time as a fan that you get to hear Chewbacca have a real conversation and kind of exhibit some level of character other than yeah. <laughs> other than being a mascot. in the background, you know, other than being a mascot. Yeah, and and slightly in original trilogy, he has like dog like tendencies here and there. Yeah, like I, th- Han is his master, I think the closest thing in the original tr- trilogy to the stuff we've gotten to see in in the sequel trilogy and mm-hmm. solo is when they close the blast doors on Hoth, mm-hmm. which is fitting because empire compared to the other two films had way more emotional depth and yeah. moments like that, you know, and when they freeze Han in carbonite. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Those, those two moments for sure were mm-hmm. empire, I guess could be argued that I'm completely yeah. full of shit about solo being the first time because, but there's no like the dialogue prison, kind of, no, there's no dialogue. There's no dialogue. This. It's, it's but, just yeah. moments of like struggle. Yeah. Like the, the, um, prison cell in cloud city and yeah. so like that. But so I think that moment of him asking him what his name was, mm-hmm. I mean, how special was that? You know, like, Hey man, you're a person too. You know, <laughs> I loved that. Well, yeah. did you want to see the, the genesis of them having this relationship that they have? Mm-hmm. So I think they did that well. It, it, it added to me, you yeah. know, it, especially going to the sequel trilogy and like what happens where Chewie watches everyone that we know that he knows die. It's like, and Dude. then he's like the last one standing besides the new characters. It's like, yeah. ah, that's terrible. It's so, so <laughs> brutal, man. Yeah. I think my favorite, I, I don't know if you can call this all one scene cause it's an extended couple scenes, I guess, but the heist mm-hmm. on Kessel ending with their escape and, 
L3's death, mm -hmm. like the moment with Lando right there. So I think like the energy of the heist is very modern mm -hmm. and just like they're just kicking ass. Chewie rips the arms off the whole nine yards. L3 freeing everyone. It's blocked really well. Mm -hmm. The energy's good. You really get the impression that like, oh, these are pros. It's yeah. almost like gritty, dirty Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. You know, minus all the contrived extra plot points. But and then that emotional moment when he like at first it's like there's a, almost like a, a sick part of the human brain where like when she gets ripped in half, you almost want to laugh. Yeah. But immediately like Lando's kind of breaking yeah. down. It's, it's it's heavy. It's rough because it's almost like she gets torn apart in like three different scenes well like she gets shot and it's not looking so good yeah then he goes to pick her up and she just falls apart and then they have to actually like take out that piece of her like brain yeah to you know so she kind of deteriorates over like three different times which is pretty hardcore there's one really funny thing that i don't ever hear described this way but there's a total like scooby-doo scene in the the Kessel Run, where they're... I forget whatever the, the creature is that is winds up chasing them in that. In the, in the maelstrom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's dark, and they see its eye open, and it yeah. just cuts to the cockpit, and everyone's like, ah! Oh, it's a total Scooby-Doo scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That's> awesome. <laughs> and, that, like, to me, I was just like, that's really funny. But, again, such a passing thing that, like, you... I don't know that you've seen, like, such a crazy, like, cut scene like that, where I'm like, that's just Scooby-Doo. Right. That's everybody reacting to, like... a creepy thing that's awesome how about favorite quotes really quick we have like six here i know we stepped on some of them but uh i can't i can't perform while you're watching me l3 um l3 when um lando and uh han are kind of they're arguing in the cockpit and she's like ready to go she goes you done flirting i'm still ready it was so great and dry and and helped build those relationships you know um, in the cockpit when he, I forget what the circumstances were, but when he finds out how old Chewie is, he's like, you're 90 yeah. years old. You look great. great. Yeah. <laughs> That's really it. Oh, another L3 one. I forget what she says before it, but she's, she complains about something like some, something's wrong. Like something's kind of broken. And she just goes to Lando, you're going to have to do that thing later. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, like husband and wife like, style. Do that thing like, to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to rub my, you know, give me a foot massage or whatever, but just the way she delivers it. And he like, doesn't even scoff at it. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate you. I know, like yeah, you mentioned earlier. So Great, and maybe the best straight-up quote when Beckett Beckett blasts the guards in the relic room, and Dryden goes, "Beckett, what are you doing?" That's right. And Beckett goes, "Thank you. I prefer to be the only one holding a blaster while I'm doing it." Han, grab that quack. It's just like a badass cowboy quote. Uh, yeah, know? yeah. And there was so much cool cowboy stuff in this movie, like yeah. that with the train heist and stuff. Yeah. There, there's some Wild West stuff, like the duel on the sand. Do we? We didn't even talk about that. In, in favorite scenes. Sorry, everybody. We're backtracking yeah. just a little bit because we didn't cover Han shot first legitimately for real this time. Yeah. And what a transformational moment that was for the character of Han Solo and why Beckett's character was written for him. Yeah. I mean, do you agree that like yeah. he he propelled him to this mistrust and all this stuff and oh, definitely. caused him to commit his first Tobias murder? Tobias is more Han in this than Han is Han. Right. You know? So he yeah. learned that from somewhere. And then compound that with, like, Kira leaving, yeah. which we'll hopefully get to know eventually yeah. how that messes with him, too. But you, you have to imagine that they were thinking of this as they were writing, but it's almost, almost as if Han killing Beckett, he's putting his skin on. He's, like, assuming his role in the world. It's not just that, like, these experiences have shaped me. It's like, I didn't want to be the, like this guy. He's almost, like, crossed to the dark side mm -hmm. in, yeah. in some sense there. Because he does start as this 
really optimistic young kid. I mean, the quote, I have a really good feeling about this is like the contrast. So like you said, it's just like a straight turning point. He, He shoots first. It's definitive. They like say in this movie, like, who knows what actually happened with Credo later, what Lucas is going to decide in the next three special editions. But in this moment, this is where he really became that, that scoundrel. And it definitely took you by surprise, too. Yeah. Because like, it was very, like, like mid-sentence almost, right? Like right. That he gets shot. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. Great timing, <laughs> writing, editing, yeah, the yeah. whole nine yards. The Darth Maul reveal at the end of the film, I mean, if you are going to talk about favorite scenes, that probably... Yeah, ranks up there. I mean, it, for the casual fan, is like, oh, there's Darth Maul from Phantom Menace. That's crazy. And then for people who watch Clone Wars and get more into deep into the EU, I mean, it, yeah. it's amazing that they did that. And it's cool too because up until that point, I'm like, I love this movie. This is good. And then a reveal happens yep. that you weren't expecting. And then I was just like, man, cherry on top. That's so yeah. cool. Totally. Especially because it was him. And I'm just like, at that point, like. I see my sweatshirt. Like, I definitely like the Clone Wars. It's very cool. Like, it it for sure has made me like the prequels more. I never was, like, a prequel hater or anything. I just kind of stuck to original trilogy. Revenge of the Sith was cool. Um, The Clone Wars, the series, made me like Anakin more. Yeah. Obviously, Ahsoka is, like, a a great character. So, like, it it added depth to things that happened in the prequels. So, yeah, just to see Darth Maul, it it just seems like I know that he's been back a couple of times at that point. Like, literally twice he's come back already. So this would be, like, his third comeback. But first one in live action. And, again, it just seemed like there's so much that comes with Darth Maul being there that I got so excited where yeah. I was just like, well, here's three more movies or three so, more scenes that could happen. Since I'm sure the three of us, when this movie came out, were like the go-to person to text for all of our friends and family, like, yo, ex- why is he here? Explain yeah. this to me. Yeah. Let's explain it to anyone who's listening who doesn't know why Darth Maul is there and how he came to be. Well, in Clone Wars, uh, well, first of all, Darth Maul did not die. In Clone Wars, he has a brother and uh, the brother is transformed into a warrior on their home planet and is basically at some point tasked to go and find his brother, Darth Maul. So Savage presses his name. He goes and finds Darth Maul, who has these crazy spider legs, and it's really tacky and weird. Because he um, ended up in, like, a landfill, essentially, right, when yeah, he fell yeah. to the bottom of that shaft? Absolutely nuts thinking about Kenobi. You know, yeah, like, like you literally know. like kind of going yeah, insane. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, his brother, Savage, finds him, brings him back to the Night Sisters, who help him transform back into, uh, still has Kenobi and revenge on his mind, uh, but a, a lot more reasonable of a character with way more reasonable legs right. instead of spider legs. Because in that uh, landfill, he essentially like pulled together scrap and made yeah. some, yeah. That was uh, George Lucas and Dave Filoni bringing back a character that was built up and killed in the first prequel. So if you could just kind of bring him back, there's a whole world for him to exist in. And really, again, add a depth, which is a whole thing that the Clone Wars has done, is add depth to Anakin, add depth to Darth Maul, added so much depth to the clones, which is something, again, Star Wars fans haven't ever asked for, but you provide fans with a good story and good voice acting, just good words on paper, and the clones became like something to care about all of a sudden, which is great. So yeah, Darth Maul has a whole arc of coming back and wanting revenge on Kenobi. Solo is even past Rebels, though, at this point. So Darth Maul is in Clone Wars, and then he's also in the next animated series, which is Rebels, and then Solo takes place after Rebels. And at this point, he's just Maul. He's relinquished the Sith Association and he's not only just Maul as an individual, but he's part of this 
He's a fucking gangster now, yeah. essentially. Because he's basically been betrayed by the Sith and Palpatine at this point. So he's just a, a force-wielding gangster at this point. And he was connected to this planet Dothamir, which mm-hmm. the Night Sisters, right? Yeah. Like now, is that before he became Darth Maul, or no, this, is this is after? Yeah, yeah. So there was no association prior. This is where he becomes kind of crime syndicate leader. As he goes yeah. there, and like the crime syndicate is is tied to Dothamir le- no, in a way. That's where he just gets his wits back. Okay, and kind of better legs. Right. So <laughs> I was just as I was learning all this prepping for the episode, I'm getting through Fallen Order. Yeah, playing yeah. Fallen I, Order, and I haven't played that. Yet. Dude, it's yeah. it's awesome. But Dothamir is big part of the game and so you know you go to a bunch more systems as it goes on but that's it's the first like dark one that you could go to that's cool and so i I had no idea about the night sisters and all that stuff they're rad and they they both they transform both maul and his brother to be like more just warriors like literally beef up his brother from Mm. like a skinny little dwarf to just like bigger than darth maul like a big badass dude who gets trained by dooku finds maul like it's it's very very rad Right, so we all want to see the next movie where he's the leader of Crimson Dawn and, yeah. and he's warring with the Hutt cartel and the yeah, Pikes and all this stuff so they talked much. about. Kira maybe ends up being a Sith apprentice. Yeah, like what like, if Kira doesn't, I mean, I would love for her not to come back. You know, go all Daenerys Targaryen on us and just don't come back, you know? I mean, there's so much there because like then, literally this is where my brain went in between my first two viewings was they mentioned Tatooine, which is... You bring Jabba into it, which means you bring Boba Fett into it. Yeah. You have Darth Maul in there, which brings Kenobi into it. I'm like, man, it was the excitement of they know what they're doing. Oh, my God, this is great. They have, like, seven things planned past this, and then it was just all taken from us. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The theory that some of the backlash for The Last Jedi also affected yeah. people going— I don't going, think it's ever one thing, but— um, it, I, don't, I don't either. I don't even know if I buy that, but yeah. that's one of the things out there. But either way, you know, it's out there. The dots are still there to connect. They know we want to see it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. That was less than six months after Last Jedi, so that was yeah. the first time that two yeah, Star Wars yeah. movies ever came out with that close together. Half a year, and it, so that was a little oversaturated, probably. It, yeah, well, for some people, yeah. For us, I would watch a new movie every week. You know, sure. But sure. I, if you think about it, the Marvel films built up to that pace. Mm-hmm. They weren't every yeah, six yeah. months right out of the gate. So I think they just maybe jumped the gun with different expectations too. And that's right. why I don't. I don't. Uh, whenever anyone says anything to, uh, comparing Marvel to Star Wars, I'm like, I'll do that to a certain extent. But not every Marvel movie had to make a billion dollars. And right. like Star Wars movies have to make a billion dollars. Right. You know, and it's like, all right, maybe some Star Wars movies should have less budget and less expectation and right. they'll be fine. But you couldn't have made Solo with that yeah. train so, scene alone yeah. without a quarter billion dollars. You couldn't have done this it. this new technology with Mandalorian and stuff. Yeah, well, really if, they're, if they're building these giant sets with these LED walls where they can change the sets out super fast and all this stuff, I mean, that yeah. could really lower the budgets. And, and I, I thought Mandalorian looked great. And oh, yeah. I can't believe that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I learned it, how yeah. they made it look great. Yeah. I was like, it's I mind bending, dude. Yeah. Because also, the thing about this, and I know we're talking about Solo, but like, they had to have built that for Mandalorian, which must have taken so much of the budget. Right. So I'm kind of thinking that like Mandalorian season two is just going to look so much right. better. Yeah. I get the impression that that's a front end investment yeah. on all the Disney Plus stuff, mm-hmm. and that's just where Disney stuff maybe, is going to get shot now. Yeah. And maybe feature films too, though. I mean, it's yeah. on the, on the lot Marvel on the Disney stuff, lot. You know. Like all of it. Yeah. For those of you that just check on YouTube and just watch some stuff about how the visual effects in the Mandalorian, and you'll know what we're talking yeah. about. But on the ILM Industrial Light and Magic YouTube, ILM VFX is the the channel. It's like a four-minute video. They yeah, break it down. I think it's the most recent one. It's fucking very cool, crazy. Very cool. So, Nick, your favorite quote officially is Lando to Beckett saying, "I don't like it, I don't agree with it, but I accept it." 
because I feel like you I get, literally say that. You're getting the hang of this, yeah. Lando. Yeah. <laughs> and then Beckett's quote for me, my favorite, the I prefer to be the only one holding a blaster while I'm, while I'm thinking, he's saying. Love that. Ryan, Bill Key. You're going to have to do that thing again later. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking L3, the best. Let's talk about Easter eggs because there are so many in this. We yeah, don't, we we don't really have, typically have an Easter egg segment, mm-hmm. but I have a pretty solid list. In the ch- I guess the first chase where Han's driving that badass blue mm-hmm. speeder, there's a same speeder bike as Endor, a trooper yeah. following him. Similar, yeah. I think he maybe collides with something. Point being, the back of the speeder explodes and he flips up in the air. Mm-hmm. That flip is exactly essentially the same angle and same type of flip and look as in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when they stick the flagpole in the spokes of the yeah, motorcycle yeah. and he flips. Yeah. Like they do this thing in filmmaking where, and they recreated this in Mythbusters in an episode where they essentially have like a charge, an explosive below the back tire mm-hmm. and they just start filming and they use kind of forced perspective with a long lens. They just fire it off as the hero's driving at the camera and it looks like it has hit something and flipped, you know, right. but it's the exact same thing. <laughs> it's fucking sweet. Kira kisses Han and says, for luck, throwing back to Luke and Leia when they swing across and, uh, you know. When your sister just smooches you. Yeah. Right. I had one that I really, it didn't occur to me while I was watching it for the first couple of times. But uh, at Sabak table, when Han is lying about what ship he has, I think it's VCX 100, which mm-hmm. is the ghost from Rebels. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah. Because he also kind of like slurs. It sounds like he says V6100. So I like literally turn on subtitles and I'm yeah. like, I want to make sure he's saying VCX100. Yeah. You belong here. <laughs> this is more like maybe a music nerd kind of little Easter egg. <laughs> Still great though. On Corellia, that like the Corellian spaceport where, they're, where they first split Han and, and Kira, that propaganda video playing, yeah. the Imperial propaganda video, has the Imperial March in like a major key, mm-hmm. World War II like recruitment yeah. Yeah, kind of vibes. Posters too that are very yeah. like they like they the like Empire. changed a couple of notes and they definitely put the harmonies like into the major threes and yeah. fives instead. And so it's like it feels like Uncle Sam yeah. kind of video instead yeah. of the dark Imperial March, but it's the same melody too, that people could hate on. But I feel like it was done well. So oh yeah, I love cool. all that hyper realism yeah. stuff yeah. where it feels like the Empire was a real thing yeah. and yeah. people were joining up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, I love that stuff. There's a droid. In that heist in the droid where, you know, where L3 frees all the droids, the one who hits the big green button on the panel in there supposedly is Anthony Daniels. He yells freedom. Uh, really? So yeah. I don't know if he's in the costume or if it's yeah. just his voice, but... Supposedly. It's probably just an overdub. Yeah. <laughs> also, going back to the chase at, at the beginning of the movie, Hans says something about my old pal Needles, it's- best street racer on Corellia. Until he died doing this, and then he does that move. Yeah, it's when they they land on that asteroid. Yeah, that's when, when Kessel Run. He might, the, okay. In the Kessel Run when they're he running. I mentioned him in that scene too, I don't remember, but he says the whole line when they're in the Kessel Run. But he says needles, yeah. Yeah, so did you pick up on this oh, one? yeah, for sure. <laughs> that one was just like, that has to be that. Yeah. So cool. Back to the future. Yeah. Yeah, Flea playing <laughs> that, uh, I don't know, rival dude. Yeah. At the very end, they pull up in the truck, Marty and Jennifer. And Flea and that crew of crazy dudes pull up next to them. That's Needles, and they're about to drag race. But then Marty decides not to. He would have crashed. So it's just like specifically reference. Like, yeah. That was um, young Kasdan, I'm sure. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like exactly our age pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I hate you, I know. We already talked about that. Warwick Davis, not so much of a, an Easter egg. If you know that guy, you know you, yeah. know, you see his face. Uh, one of the other marauders from Enfys Nest is one of the Sagarera's yeah two tubes that, mm-hmm. that person yeah. so that that's a cool little thing I'm not usually super good at picking this kind of stuff apart yeah. like you guys are really yeah. making me feel inadequate to have a podcast about Star Wars right now 
because I just, when I'm watching the movie, I don't know. I'm like, so I'm like in it and I don't, yeah. stuff doesn't register a lot. Time, like, but when I saw that character, I immediately was like, oh my God, this yeah. is so fucking sick. I know. Like the, all of these the infra nests, they're all yeah. working with Saul Guerrero. Yeah. And then I started playing Fallen Order and Saul Guerrero is still like yeah. healthy and kicking ass and taking names in the game. And it all just comes yeah. together and it's so well done. And anybody looking for that? Dude, if you don't know who we're talking about, he sort of has a palish mask and then the almost like a black a respirator. gas mask respirator. He might and just re- be called Two Tubes. I'm not sure if that's okay. like a nickname or if he has a different name, but yeah. I think he's referred to at least. Like super tubes. blue eyes, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. There's one other little Easter egg, and I'm not 100% sure I'm right, but I think when uh, they're on the Falcon, uh, Kira is in like Lando's like closet trying on his like capes mm-hmm. oh it's I'm pretty short of that one that she puts on is like the one he's wearing in empire for sure yeah yeah, yeah. confirmed that's badass because you know i mean a ship like that is like your house like yeah. you have shit in your basement that's gonna be like oh shit there's Orlando where, where up, this like, i have a, this an apartment there's a bar and like you right. see like i don't know if you see beds but like there's seating areas for yeah sure. yeah and all those capes and yeah, everything yeah. now we know he in the rise of skywalker is wearing an obviously retailored and let out <laughs> Thicker in the midsection version of the same cape that he wore in this movie. The whole outfit. There's the best meme fucking of all time, maybe in Star Wars. So the meme is <laughs> from the end where, yeah. Too, too Land- soon. Too Lando, soon. Lando loses his ship to Han in that last game of Sabacc. And the line is, I'm going to get my ship back. And Han says, over my dead body. And then the next picture is Lando in the Rise of Skywalker, just like. In, that, in the like, final scene when he's like charging in. Like, he's like rejoicing. That just like, ah, yeah, that chuckle. Yeah. You're dead, motherfucker. I got your ship. <laughs> I told you. What else here? There was another Easter egg that I had no idea. People way nerdier than me when uh, they're on uh, Kessel and Kira like takes one of the pikes out or whatever mm-hmm. and l3 is like whoa i've never seen anyone do anything and i guess the fighting style is called like terracasi or something like yeah. that yeah. oh and this that is a... something to do with like an old video game well, that i never played okay yeah. and she did she says drive yes, and taught yes. me yeah yeah i remember that yeah so, it, i think it, it was like a playstation game or something, something right something like that yeah, yeah. masters of I, I had one like last that. night that I don't think is re- is like a real thing and I think I'm just dumb but I can't help but think it because it's just a weird thing that has stuck with me my whole life since I saw the film Almost Famous mm-hmm. but do you remember the scene in Almost Famous when she goes you're 11 and he goes 11 yeah so like anytime anyone says the number 11 in my whole life I'll <laughs> I'll just go 11 yeah and in the Kessel scene, mm-hmm. Beckett goes, only 11 more to go. Yeah. And Han goes, 11? <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. And I'm like, is that a throw to that? Yeah. Because that was a pretty, you know, that's a moment in Almost Famous. Yeah. I don't know. But Again, John Caston, our same. Exactly. Know, our I was thinking maybe because if he's our age, then yeah. Almost Famous had to have been a big movie for him, you know. So I don't know. 11? <laughs> he says it exactly the same way as the little kid. I have a really good feeling about this. We already talked about that one. Uh, Han says fair and square right there in the Sabat game. Just little lines that are throwbacks the sith holocron and the mando armor in dryden voss's uh-huh. office and apparently there's an indiana jones like idol or something the thing from so uh, little gold thing yeah yeah the little uh, yeah and i th- there's also like a crystal skull yeah, yeah. but i for, i read about that and it's not indiana jones it's from something it's from uh like completely non-canon like like a novel or a comic book or something from the 80s right yeah i think before we shut down the easter egg section which is very cool you did this adam by the way we haven't done this before uh the the sith holocron man that is that is super cool and 
the one in Dryden's artifact room or relic yeah. room, whatever you want to call it, is like gigantic. That's I don't know big. if they're all that big or what. Yeah. In, but in Rebels, they're not. They're exactly. Like exactly. Them. So they could have been different sizes or whatever, but it's literally the exact same canon object in yeah. Rise of Skywalker, and they call them Wayfinders. Yeah. I don't know. The fact that there's one here and it's in there and it's confirmed basically that that's what it is. Yeah. And it's, so it's in the films, it's not just in the. EU? Yeah. Like, why? Why? I don't know. Because yeah. it's, it's just, it looks similar, and it exists already. They're, the seeds of it are planted in animation and, and books and all that type of stuff. So you have a segment of super fan Star Wars people that are like, I'll explain to you. Right. You know, for people who don't get it, like, I'll explain to you. But also it doesn't really affect if you call it a Wayfinder or a Holocron. Right. Who cares? Just right. call it the thing that's in universe already. And what, right. what I was wondering is, as a fan like you are, that's really goes deep. You know, did it not bother you at all? That you're like, what are you talking about? That looks yeah. exactly like the thing we already have in yeah. the universe. Exactly. Call it by its right name. Yeah. I mean, it really should have just been a holocron because yeah. it would take. Like I said, I feel like it would have no effect on anything except for pleasing the super nerds. Right. You know, like it still would do the same thing. You're just literally calling it something else that it already exists. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, anyways. A lot of Easter eggs in Solo. Done well. Yeah. It's not like, because Rise of Skywalker is that type of stuff too, and it's like really ham-fisted in there. Yeah. Like with Solo, probably having John Kasdan on board made it more tasteful, the Easter eggs and the implementation of them. While we're on this vibe, I sense something. There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. Let's keep this short. I like it when we keep these short. Yeah, I have two gripes. One is just generally some on-the-nose dialogue, like we talked about. The two of you might say the same thing, so I'll just let you go first, either of you. I'll go quick, because I, I think... You know my main the, one. The main one you're going to talk about, so I'm, I'll let you do that. But mine is, as a lot of a lot of mine have been in, since we started the podcast, is dialogue stuff. Mm-hmm. I have one specific example of a line that, that stood out so jarringly to me of not being Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that was when... Han says, we have coaxium that needs to be offloaded immediately, like immediately, immediately. Yeah. I, I just, you know, um, we have some coaxium that needs to be offloaded. It's critical. We have some coaxium that needs to be offloaded immediately, yeah. period. Yeah. And and stop, you know? Mm. Why would you write him and say, like immediately, immediately? Is he an influencer? Yeah. You know, well, I don't understand <laughs> the choice of those words. But most of this film, though, the dialogue felt... For the directors, the original directors that signed on to this, like being more kind of comedic driven and who knows what like the original concept of this, probably wanting to be a little cagey and yeah. solo and Lando kind of fun, you know, the dialogue being driven by the Kasdans kept it like super canon and original trilogy feeling. And yeah. I loved that. So I don't totally aligned. I did gripe a little bit with Han Solo being upstaged by the new characters. Yeah. That's my really broad sweeping one, but it did not diminish the film for me. Yeah. Um, I, on it's some... really hard for me because I don't, I don't, I don't dislike almost anything about the movie. I would say something I would have liked to have seen more is, I, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier that like Rio and Val die pretty early. I, I, I think it would have been cooler if they just lasted a little longer, still died to move the story along. But I don't know that they needed to go that early because I right. didn't really right. have that attachment at that point. Rio's death was. Well done. He was injured in battle, fatally wounded. And dropped that line, it's no good to die alone, kid. Which I think was important for Han's development. I was sold on that. Mm -hmm. Val's death, however, didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because... And love her as an actress. Like, yeah, she's fucking brilliant. I'm a huge Westworld fan. She's great. 
So just to recap the situation, she was on kind of the underneath the bridge with the explosives and was, I guess, sort of pinned down. I couldn't get out. So instead of calling off the mission, she blows the explosives and kills herself for this one job for them, which would make sense if this was post Dryden Voss, like, you know, life debt kind of thing, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't life or death stakes early on. So she kills herself for the shipment and then Han dumps it, Mm -hmm. which I guess adds weight to how furious Beckett is and destroyed. But for her to do that, to just be like, do it, fucking a crooks for life and kill herself. What? Why? Wait a minute. You mentioned that it would have sold a lot better to you. And I agree. I think if she had been like mortally wounded or something, that would have made sense if she was like, obviously going to die. Miles Bennett Dyson in the end of Terminator, he's full of bullet wounds and he's holding the detonator and he literally runs out of breath and then drops the hammer on the thing. They could have straight ripped off that scene and that would have worked. But she was just untouched just down there. Like the mission was more important than her life. Exactly. Yeah. And then to show like in the next couple of seconds that the shipment is just gone anyway. Shipment's gone and Beckett seems to be just moving on. Yeah, yeah. Because that campfire scene was so good. They seemed like such a a tight-knit group. And And the whole thing would have carried so much more weight if they had both been wounded by blasters or whatever it was. And she was holding on for dear life and and was like, I love you, babe. I'm not going to make it anyways kind of thing. Yeah. You know, there's some great dialogue could have sold that. And who knows? Maybe they just dropped the ball. Shit fell through the cracks as they were editing. Maybe there was more there. Maybe she was supposed to blast her up with VFX, you know, and maybe they, they just ran out of time or whatever. Like, shit happens, but... Yeah, it was one of those things, too, where it's like, all right, for someone like me, I'm, like, looking at the cast, what they're supposed to do in the movie. There's all this, uh, like, merchandise with them on it. And then, like, 20 minutes in the movie, she's dead. And I'm like, right. oh, because of all that extra stuff, I thought she was going to be have a bigger role. Right. And she was just like, I'm dead. Right. That kind of bugged me. But that's it for gripes. After this conversation, final thoughts. This one, I really don't understand the audience rating, which I think is more, the audience rating is always more interesting on Rotten Tomatoes to me than the critic one. More fun to analyze. Yeah. I really don't understand what it. What was it? 67? 63. Yeah. I really don't understand it. There's so much great stuff that just makes you happy to be a Star Wars fan in this film. Yeah. I think it's exactly what you said, Nick. Probably people that were just like, oh, it's not good, right? I heard it's not good. Yeah. That didn't actually see it. People don't have confidence. They know that it's revered as such a thing where mm-hmm. they don't, people don't feel comfortable expressing they actually feel and it it is like it was good right like they know that they liked it but to someone who's a super nerd they want to be like it was good right i'm not crazy yeah (laughs) so we're all in agreement we love the film we had a lot of fun yeah final takeaways i want to see more segues perfectly into a listener question from patreon a patron named Kristen k-r-i-s-t-a-n yeah you say not kristan no it wouldn't be kristan (laughs) Kristen says, what is your most unpopular Star Wars opinion? Mine is that The Last Jedi is the only truly unique Star Wars film in the new trilogy and didn't just repeat beats from the original trilogy. And it's in her uh, top three Star Wars films of all time for that reason. She wants to know, this may be mine, or that I think Solo is amazing. My least That's popular definitely going to be an unpopular opinion among the general, if you say the word amazing. Yeah. Kristen, that's a great take, by the way. I really enjoy that about the Star Wars universe. I love that everyone can get something different from the different films. And I'm a big fan of The Last Jedi. I might we if you go back and listen to our episode about The Last Jedi, I most of my problem in that film was dialogue. That that's not story, not character development. Most of my problem was the script itself, the words coming out of their mouths. Yeah. And it 
I confirm that more and more each time I watch it. I, I'm more like, wow, actually this film, the film is pretty amazing. Like yeah. the scenes are incredible. The cinematography is incredible. So I agree with you there that I don't know that I put it in my top three, but you know, I do love the film. So what's your most unpopular opinion? Man, mine would actually riff off of that a little bit and something that like I haven't really spoken to other people about. Like the whole treatment of like Rose in real life, like uh, people just ripping her apart yep. and people after Rise of Skywalker being like, she deserved better, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I think Rose deserved better in The Last Jedi, which is completely about dialogue. We, to- mm-hmm. like, yeah. we totally agree with that, dude. That, like the situation she, she was, was put in yeah. and then the script was not good. Yes. It she- has nothing to do with her as a person, her race, anything like that. Right. I'm sure it does to some people, but yeah. for people to say after the Rise of Skywalker that she needed to be in Rise of Skywalker more, of course she did, but she was done dirty from like The Last Jedi. Right. I just think her lines were not good enough. Yeah. Her entire arc was not yeah. to introduce a, a cool techie mm-hmm. star cruiser yeah. like repair yeah. technician yeah turns so much know. potential there mm-hmm. and just wasn't given that i'm i'm really having a hard time you know me well what do you think my most unpopular take is i don't know i don't know i don't know i I'm, might switch mine i think my most unpopular thing would be that i actually think the ray low kiss at the end of the rise of skywalker is perfect and beautiful mm-hmm. i didn't mind it I, I went into that completely open knowing again Everyone, we all know too much. If you're, right. you reach a certain tipping point as a Star Wars fan where you know too much about production and who's directing and who's right, like you just know too much. Yeah. So obviously, you know that there's a whole group of people out there who want just straight up romance. And I feel like right. this was like on the fence, yes, on the fence, no. Right. Trying to please everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, that type of thing is going to, if you're on the fence, no one's going to be happy regardless. But I didn't mind it when it happened. We could do a whole other episode about gripes of. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you'd want to see more Ben after that. I don't. Right. Like, I don't think he could just go back to the Resistance base and be like, "Sorry right. for about everything, yeah. guys. Sorry about my war crimes." Yeah, he's got to go. And then again, knowing too much, you know, Adam Driver wants to like separate from Star Wars for at least the time being. Hopefully, yeah. you know, so like you can't just keep him around and have him hiding on a diff- distant planet somewhere. It's like it makes more sense for him to to go. It just would have been cooler if it was done better. I right. guess at the end, the kiss didn't bother me though. I think if I had, I mean, mine would be like really broad, my unpopular opinion, because I'm, I'm a person who enjoys Star Wars and I don't, I'm, I'm doing a podcast about it because I like it, not because I want to tear it apart and right. bitch about it. So I just think the opinion that I love the new, the sequel trilogy is unpopular Dude, <laughs> in general, what? you know, like I, I love the movies. I, I love watching them. I love lightsabers and TIE fighters and X-wings and Dude, I, I would say the third party perspective, I bet your most unpopular one to even like other Star Wars nerd friends is one I share that more Star Wars is better. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Most people say like, Oh dude, just stop with the whatever. Yeah, to me, to us, it's like, no, no, give it to us. All of the trolley comments about like, when are they going to let Star Wars die? Like that kind of stuff. People say that it's like, what are you fucking yeah. talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or people being like, that was the last one, right? I'm like, yeah, Disney bought it for $4 billion so they can make five movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Five movies and a theme park yeah, in yeah. two locations <laughs> and they're done. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the question, Kristen, and thanks for supporting the podcast. It's awesome. And anybody else who wants to support it, patreon.com forward slash thankthemakerpod. All right, Test Bay 94, moving on. So, Nick, do you, are you familiar with this lightning round thing? Did you catch that in I the episode? lightning round, yes. All right, so either or's favorite things and would you rather. 
I think I know this because I've been listening to you talk, but <laughs> Han or Han pronunciation? Uh, Han. But sidebar, I definitely say Falcon and not Falcon. Thank you for adding that. Because, hey, Han's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not I mean, Falcon. It's never been a Falcon. <laughs> yeah. And this movie clears both of those things up. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite villain in the Star Wars universe? Um, wow. Like that I like him or do I like that they're bad like it's just rough. just your just your favorite yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. The, the villain that you get most stoked when they come like a, on screen or show up in yeah. a book or whatever or just as like a film fan just being like oh this is a really well-made villain yeah well-written i mean just the length of time that palpatine has been around it's it's hard to say because he's the only through and through he's been bad the whole time that you've seen him on screen yeah even when he's pretending to be just a good dude at the beginning like he's been the master bad guy Every other bad guy almost gets, like, redeemed at some point or right. is at least put in a likable light. So, yeah, I would say Palpatine. Sheev. Papa yep. Sheev. <laughs> Sick. Grandpa Sheev. So I have a really good would you rather from Crystal Padilla again. So would you rather be able to understand Chewie, but by doing so, you'd only be able to translate back by speaking in Jar Jar's voice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or... You can understand astromech, droids, BB-8, R2, everything, but you can't repeat what they said, but you can't communicate it to anybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I like the droid one because that means that there's there's droids around. I think I'd rather have droids around than Wookiees around. So yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Wookiee might go. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's I'm just lot. thinking of practical things. If Wookiees right. were around, that would be cool. But if droids were around, I think our lives would be a little bit yeah. more enriched. <laughs> and you'd have, like, an exclusive, like, in with the droids because you can understand. Right. Right. Like, we no, alone. sorry, I can't yeah, tell like, you if, this. Could we talk to them? Could we repeat? Yeah, that, like, you just that. can't to other people yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, translate. You can respond to them, too, even yeah. in public. Like, you can just have a conversation <laughs> with a droid that no one else knows what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Good shit. What about you in life outside of this? Mm-hmm. What do you have going on? Um, well, band-wise, we're going on our uh, 20th anniversary tour in, like, May, June, early July. Nice. Um, 20 years of Bayside. Yeah. I've been around for 16 of them. 20 uh, crazy, not that crazy. The crazy part about Bayside is that, like, we've lived through every iteration of the music industry of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, like, CDs to Napster to Spotify. Like, anything you could think of that's changed in the last 20 years, like... We've had to adapt, and that's, like, my ultimate feeling of pride. Is Survival, like, man. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, like, thriving, you know? Like, things are good, and we're right, it's still... Like, like, it's like survival and success. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good feeling. Like, we just put out our eighth record, and I always joke, I'm like, we have, like, 100% on the fake band music Rotten Tomatoes. Like, all right. of our fans like our new record, and it's our eighth record. It's like, so. how is that possible? But it's you're really hard-pressed to find a negative comment from, like, our own fans about it, and I think that makes me super proud. And just in general, I, I really liked the record. It was a lot of fun to make, and it's a lot of fun to play. But other than that, I mean, I'm going to be 40 this year. Like, life is slowly settling down, so I'm just looking for other things to do. So personally, I've been getting into graphic design. It's helped me um, build my own little Star Wars community based around Batu and uh, yeah, Instagram account called Batu Crew. Um, and it's not so much about me. I, I just try to, like, involve other people in the park and post pictures of people either bounding or just having fun and uh i usually do my own little questionnaire with them 
I wanted it to be fun for me, and people have really like gravitated towards it. So I'm like very, very excited. It's catching on. It's it's something that's like positive, and that people are like you know like Instagram's algorithm is working positively. <laughs> in right, band yeah. sense, it always works negatively. It's like in this Star Wars Disney world, like. Uh, and to get nerdy about like analytics, like the engagement is like through the roof on these things where I would kill on like Bayside or my personal Instagram accounts to have the same like analytical numbers. Um, but, uh, the past couple of years I've been trying to find more and more of like a role in like Star Wars fandom. And I'm glad that I like came across this, you know, like I've thought about podcasts and all this type of stuff. And like this wound up being something that like people are into, I'm super into. And there's like, I was having this conversation with my friend Mark the other day. Like, there's a physical address for Star Wars now. Yeah. Two of them, technically. It's yeah. like you could go to Star Wars. So it's, it's And you're just right down great. the street. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough. You know, like I moved here not really having that intention that I would be so close to it. But the fact that I could, like, go for two or three hours and not make it like uh, I have to be there at eight and I'm not leaving until it closes is, like, takes a lot of pressure off things. And yeah. I find myself literally just sitting there and, like... At this point, it's so busy that I'm literally, like, the ultimate people watching. Like, people are having so much fun, and I love that energy. It's so cool. That's so well done. Like, if people could have a list of things that they don't like about Disney, like, they went super nerdy and super awesome with Galaxy's Edge. And to me, I hope that that is the seed of people diving in more and Mm -hmm. not just going to a movie once every two or three years. Like, really people diving in and being like... I went into this thing called the Den of Antiquities and I didn't know what half of the stuff was in there. I'm going to go find out, you know, like inquiring minds will, will, uh, hopefully gravitate towards it. And that's also fueled my, like me getting more into graphic design. Cause I feel like I've always been like into graphic design when it comes to the band and I'm the person who would talk to the artists who help us make t-shirts and all this type of stuff. And just cause I'm lazy, I never got into it, <laughs> but right. now I'm getting into it. And, and my star Wars brain just comes up with a million things to like draw. So I'm like coming up with designs and for shirts and stickers and stuff like that, that, um, hopefully people in the park start to just wear and stuff like that. I've yeah. already been in the park and seen like two or three people wear a shirt that I made. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome, dude. That's that. so cool. Sometimes I feel like confident that I'm like, I have a great idea. So my, my main shirt that I have right now is like the old school Disneyland resort shirt. Um, and I just use the same font and it just says Batu, and people are like losing their minds about it. I'm like, I knew this was good. But, you you know, being in bands and stuff, like, you have good ideas all the time that don't pan out, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. whether it's song ideas or just promo or whatever, and the way the world and algorithms and all that stuff, stuff just doesn't click. And this was another time in my life where I'm just like, I know this is a good idea. And, yeah. like, it's and you can just happen. And you can just put it out, <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. can just make it happen, and then exactly. you get the validation that, like, oh, I wasn't just yeah, into yeah. it because it was my idea. This is something that people enjoy. Yeah. I'm super stoked on that and having you on our podcast because we're just trying in a sea of negativity to find and focus mostly mm-hmm. and we, hope, we hopefully gr- in a const- gripe, but we, hopefully in a constructive way we talk about the yeah. things that about the films that we feel like could have been improved or whatever but like we're really trying to keep this in a positive place yeah. and so knowing that like that's such a motivation for you is super fucking cool yeah. man same vibes it's, it's like almost like a slightly like weird midlife crisis thing where it's like i've, I've loved star wars since before i had memories like literally yeah, yeah same. they're telling me like it was on hbo and you just were hooked i'm like i don't remember that but cool it was before i literally remembered so in this like weird midlife crisis sense i'm like this is a thing that's made me happy since before i could remember so like it's around it's going to continue to be around and i think really since force awakens came out is when 
I got like really super back into it because I'm like, it's around. I'm, it's not going anywhere. So it took a while and years to just kind of find my own path. And, and hopefully this winds up being a thing because like you guys said, I'm super close to it. I'm like three or four miles away from it. So I get to go for a little bit. And I just, it seems like it's finding a good positive place to like have a, a Star Wars community that is like its own thing sort of which yeah, is l- cool let us know when, when Disney hits you up to actually get involved yeah, or sue me may- maybe we can. <laughs> or sue you and desist <laughs> be like just hire me I got some ideas yeah. right. <laughs> sometimes it works out that way yeah, yeah yeah good shit quote of the week my friend Bill Key here dug this up out of the internet it goes like this I don't want to find myself ever locked into what people think I should think or do in my art and acting I have a universal vision of things, an international vision, bigger and broader and beyond. Bigger than life is always on my mind. Billy D. Williams. Lando himself. Hmm? Colt 45. (laughs) Around here, we ride the bull by the neck. (laughs) So where can we find you personally on the internet? Uh, my personal Instagram and Twitter is at Nick Bayside. Uh, Chris, the drummer of my band, and myself have a coffee roasting company. If you're a coffee uh, freak, we uh, are at Legal Speed Coffee on Instagram. We're just in Costa Mesa, so come find us for uh, some coffee. And then at Batu Crew is where I spend most of my time on social media right now because it's just so much fun being a Star Wars nerd with other Star Wars nerds who aren't uh, overly critical or negative. Send, Agreed. Send some of them our way. Yeah, Here we yeah, are. Absolutely. You guys can find me everywhere online at William Ryan Key. You can find me everywhere online at Adam the Skull. And before I tell you where you can find the podcast, I just really quick want to say, first of all, Nick, thanks for being here, dude. Thank Would you. Would love to have you back of anytime, course, brother. Yeah. It was awesome deep me. diving with you and just so cool. But uh, for the podcast, I just want to say for Adam and I both, thank you guys for the last couple of weeks. We've had a real surge in listeners across all the podcast platforms and um, real surge in followers on social media. It's just been super cool. And we're like starting to see this little glimmer of hope that we might be catching on with, with this thing. And, um, and we're just going to keep plugging ahead and you guys are supporting us and it feels really, really good. So first thing, if you want to get involved with the podcast and submit content with questions and either ors for test bay 94, stuff like that, or just ask Adam and I some questions about our bands and our, our lives um, that we could answer on the show. You can support us at patreon.com slash thank the maker pod. And uh, as soon as you sign up, you're eligible for submitting anything for content and questions, etc. So you can find the podcast on Instagram at thank the maker pod pod you can find us on twitter at thank the maker one that's just the number one and uh just keep spreading the word you guys and, and we're gonna do our best to keep giving you guys good content so thanks so much for your support and until next time may the force be with you 